be advised, we understand some of the content of this presentation may be emotionally triggering in nature. Please listen as you feel comfortable. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tusk Against Trafficking. Uh, my name is Jocelyn Hampshire, and I have two very special guests with me today. Suzanne Lewis-Johnson, CEO at Rahab Ministries, and Detective Sergeant Adam Fisher from the Tuscarawas County Sheriff's Office. Uh, I am really excited about what we're talking about today, internet safety. Um, we know that young people and all of us are on the internet a lot these days, and especially with covid and maybe working remotely, schooling remotely, we're there even more. So I'm really excited about this. I know our listeners are going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn a lot today. So thank you guys so much for being here. Um, to begin with, I just want to say, Suzanne, just tell us a little bit about what you do, about rehab, um, about just what is this, what inspired this um, message, that this important message of internet safety. Um, talk a little bit about. Sure. Well, I've had the rare experience of being able to see from a couple different sides. I served for 10 years as an FBI agent, and a lot of what I did was investigating online crimes against children, human trafficking and crimes against children. Uh, and what I saw was that online was the most prolific place mm -hmm. where predators were first grooming and getting their hooks into kids, even if there was a real life component, there was that online component as well. And just seeing how the cases you hear about in the news are only the tip of the iceberg and seeing the need really for a community mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement is critical, but law enforcement doesn't have enough resources to solve the problem alone. We need a network in the community to come alongside the kids who are being trafficked or who are vulnerable. And so Rahab already existed. I had nothing to do with it. Um, a really extraordinary woman, Becky Moreland, began addressing human trafficking over 18 years ago before human trafficking was even really a recognized term. And she just began meeting needs in the community that grew from street outreach to drop-in centers to mentoring programs to safe housing. And I saw such a need for that as an FBI agent. And so when Becky retired, I had the opportunity to make a giant uh, career change and leave law enforcement to become CEO. So we have an extraordinary staff who does the direct service work. I say our people are programming, our staff and our volunteers who just walk alongside in real relationship um, and offer a different kind of network than yes. what the traffickers do. That's awesome. So you've been at Rahab for how long now? A little over two years now. Two it's years. flown by. Okay. And Rahab is located, headquartered in Our headquarters is in uh, Akron, Ohio. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Wonderful. We serve a broad area in Ohio, and we've had the opportunity to begin partnering with people in other states, too. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. But Adam, share a little bit about yourself, about what you do, and the critical role you have at the Sheriff's Office. Sure. So uh, my current assignment is in the Detective Bureau for the Tuscarawas County Sheriff's Office. I've held that assignment for just over three years uh, now and as a general detective. So that means that I can investigate anything from burglaries to child sex crimes, internet crimes, uh, theft, 
of motor vehicles. You name it, uh, I'm out there doing it. So my career started early on in a smaller community, not at the sheriff's office. I worked the streets on midnights, uh, wearing the uniform in the mark car. And I've been able to develop my, my career and my skill, my craft, and have worked towards the sheriff's office now and in the detective bureau. Awesome. Thank you for what you do. Thanks. Seriously, yes. Okay, um, Adam, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to yes. throw a question your way. Um, obviously, there is, it does, it's not if, but maybe when, um, a child would be exposed to inappropriate content on the internet. Yes. Uh, it's out there. It's rampant. Um, what wisdom uh, would you give parents? How should they respond uh, when children come across inappropriate content on the internet? You know, I think it. I think it's really important for parents to keep a level head uh, when dealing with the internet or dealing with their children being exposed to nearly anything on the internet. Because as all of us know, the internet contains anything from A to Z. Um, and there is quite the opportunity for children to be exposed to inappropriate content. So first and foremost, I think that it should be noted that children aren't always out there looking for the inappropriate content. You know, your kid is not necessarily looking for pornography, but it may happen. And when and if it does happen, I think, you know, keeping that level head, talking to the child, what does this mean? What does it feel like? Most kids are often embarrassed or ashamed that they even saw it to begin with. Um, so that could, could cause them to be withdrawn or, or not talk too much about the parents, hide those things. Where if we happen to, happen to have those open and honest com communication or conversations with our kids to say, hey, you know, we understand what you saw. We understand that it's not your fault. Here's how we're going to address this. Stay away from this website. Let us know if anything else happens. Uh, you know, I, th I think that's extremely, extremely important. We need to not create this atmosphere that our kids are out there being troublemakers mm -hmm. or are looking for these things. Mm -hmm. They need to, to have that open door policy with their parents. And what a difference that makes. It does. You know, yeah, creating that safe place. Um, Suzanne, um, are there specific websites, just from your experience, specific websites, social media platforms, apps, um, that we should be aware of, that listeners should be aware of and be cautious about, um, where predators may be um, luring kids in, in on those specific Places? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked it because that is one of the first questions I always get. We want to know where is the risk so that we can steer clear of it, right? So we can block those apps and block those websites. And there are um, certain sites that you see popping up more often in cases. Uh, but the real answer is that the predators are everywhere kids are. So think about where your kids go online. That's where the predators are. So it could be any of them. It is not about eliminating a particular app or website. It is about having those conversations with your kids and ensuring that they have folks in their lives that they can turn to when they're not going to talk to you as a parent. As much as we want to be that trusted adult in our kids' lives, we need to make sure that there are other people that they're going to talk to as well. And that, again, we're having those ongoing conversations with our kids about if this happens so that they can recognize it and know how to respond. That's awesome. Okay, wonderful. I, yeah, go ahead, I Adam. I think at the sheriff's office, we're also seeing that, you know, primarily we want to say a website or an app, and, and we immediately discount some of the other ways of getting on the Internet, which are so prevalent anymore. Um, I know my nephew, yeah, my nephew, 
uh, is plays big with Fortnite mm-hmm. uh, on PlayStation. So as he's on PlayStation and he's on Fortnite, he's communicating yep. with a friend of his. Yep. So I walked in on him one day. He's got this headset on, and I had no clue what's going on. And all of a sudden, I hear him talking. Uh, who are you talking to? Well, he was talking to his buddy who lives in another neighborhood as they're playing Fortnite together. And I think it's important to just point that kind of stuff out. Our gaming systems anymore are online. And we recently dealt with a case at the sheriff's office in which an individual whom was friends or acquaintances with another individual was attempting to start to do these sexual acts or things that you may hear us talk about grooming, um, was grooming this younger individual while they were playing the game, while they were playing Fortnite. These just casual or what appear to be innocent conversations that are occurring Mm -hmm. actually have more meaning to them sometimes. When you think about uh, stranger danger, mm-hmm. right, we teach our kids about staying away from strangers out in public and what would you do if somebody approached you. The same rules that apply out there need to apply on the Internet. So I hear that story all the time about whatever the, the current game is that kids are playing. And somebody said to me, you know, you wouldn't let your child play with some, your, your eight-year-old or whatever the mm-hmm. age is of your child, play with some adult guy he just met on the playground. But that is happening on the internet. Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. So we need to apply those same rules. And then the other thing about the internet, too, is how do you know somebody is who they say they mm-hmm. are on the internet? Our kids can be so trusting or because this person is friends with their friend, then they must be trusted. Mm-hmm. They maybe aren't even a child at all, even though they're saying Mm -hmm. that they are. The internet, we would say, um, I think it was the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I want to attribute this to the right source, but had an illustration that said, you can dress up as anyone you want to be on the internet. It's just like Halloween. Mm -hmm. And so when we're having those conversations with our kids, I feel like that absolutely needs to be part of it every time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the, the questions like, how did you meet this person? How do you know them? You know, uh, how long have you talked? What, what do they do? I, I think those conversations to your kids are extremely important. Or the cell phones. While many of us, myself included, have sometimes uh, ventured down that path when we're talking about my nieces and nephews, and I think my brother can be a little overbearing at times. But I think going through cell phones, mm-hmm. being a part of that conversation, mm-hmm. Don't just turn a blind eye because you're, you know, your child has a cell phone and you think you know who those contacts are, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think actively being involved in all of that stuff is important. Mm-hmm. That takes me to another question and we're going to, we're going to skip around here a little bit, but that like, how do we educate ourselves as parents, as caregivers, as older, that generation gap seems to be getting bigger with technology. How do we educate ourselves and learn more because it can be daunting the internet social media it can be like overwhelming and then we don't do anything mm-hmm. you know to, so how do we equip ourselves um, and either one of you I mean both of you can answer that but how do we how do we educate ourselves what could be one simple step that may not be so overwhelming I think simply using the app um, so snapchat for example that that's one of the big ones uh, because kids, I think, have this tendency to believe that if I use Snapchat and I take a picture or I have a conversation and then it disappears, that it's miraculously gone from everywhere. And that's not the case. Uh, so 
I think using the app and as a parent or the older generation, you know, it's not cool when you're using Snapchat to your kids, but I think using the app or being in there and playing around with it is important. Like how does it work? You need to know how it works. Um, we're talking about the internet. Google is a wonderful thing. Uh, simply, you know, maybe Google or see what those, what those ideas are. Or again, it comes back to talking to your kids. Hey, send, send that Snapchat to your cousin and show me how that works mm -hmm. or how does it disappear? Where does it go from here? You know, those kind of conversations I think are, are important. And there are, there are certain sites out there, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, they always are updating their information for parents. Mm -hmm. So that's a great website. Rahab is building a repository of information as well that we continue to update. So be looking at those sources. But absolutely, if you're not looking at the phone and holding it in your hands and gaining at least some sort of basic knowledge of how it works. No amount of reading is going to equip you. It's actually doing it. Now, something you said, going back to what you said, Adam, about when, you know, they're accepting friends or meeting people gaming. Um, I like that you brought up about asking them questions. Um, you start to get them to critically think, you know what I mean? Because I think from my experience, my kids, and I always taught, I told them, no, you can't play with strangers online. Um, but it seems as though kids will just automatically, oh, this guy, you know, or person reached out to me and oh, no big deal. And don't be, you know, don't overreact and that kind of thing. But I love the fact that you're saying, ask them questions because it gets them to start processing a little bit. How long have you known this person? Tell me about this, you know. So anything else that you want to say about that? Because I think that's extremely important. I, I think we often, you know, as we're saying, talk about or, or ask how, how long have you known this person or where did they come from? I think that should also lead just into conversations about relationships in general. And that doesn't always mean, oh, who's your boyfriend or who's your girlfriend, but what is a friendship look like? What, 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 what should that look like? What is okay to ask and not ask? And I think before in years past, as parents or as protectors, as caregivers, that's exactly what we did was we tried to shield kids from the outside world. And if we don't talk about it, then they don't know it. And if they don't know it, then they're safe from it. And that is the completely wrong approach to take at this point. So I think we got to quit trying to shield and we have to educate. So yes, what does a relationship look like? And somebody asking this question is not a friend or somebody requesting you to do this mm -hmm. is not a friend. Friends would ask you or act this way towards you. And I think that's really important too, is we got to remove that bubble, to, you know, because once the kids are outside of the house, they're always going to school. They're always going to be in public. They're always going to be exposed to these things. And if you are not the one talking to them, who is? Yeah. Great point. And the predator isn't always who you expect it to be. It could be the child at your child's lunch table who's recruiting. You cannot protect your child from every risk, but exactly that is the core and the heart of it mm -hmm. is what does real relationship look like versus the counterfeit that the traffickers offer. I love that. Safe and healthy relationship, being intentional to talk about that and what that looks like. Great. Thank you. Um, talk a little bit about grooming because you did mention that we had an episode on grooming an earlier episode and red flags but I'd like for you Adam to talk a little bit more about grooming um, and are there specific or obvious grooming signs that people can be aware of parents and and young people that they know okay this is feels off yeah 
So I think uh, grooming is one of those things that could be endless. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, even if we give you some specific examples today, I don't think that that should be considered the end-all, be-all list of, of the grooming techniques that can happen. But uh, some in particular, kids in general are always seeking attention. They always like to be recognized or, you know, so it could start with something as simple as some compliments of you do that really well. Um, you play basketball. You are the star of the show. And those those compliments can soon lead into other things like receiving gifts. Is your kid getting something in the mail from somebody you don't know? What about gift cards? Um, the example you heard me talk about earlier where an individual was attempting or starting to groom a child over the gaming system, that is what began happening was, oh, you're really good at this game. You can do anything. I don't know how to do that. Can you show me how to do these things? And it started to lead into these gift cards just appearing uh, at this kid's house, um, sent through the mail that I, I'm now buying you gift cards. I'm giving you gifts um, so that, you know, you're now trusting me. And as that relationship builds, as that trust builds, then I think we start, grooming could start to be something like uh, desensitizing uh, individuals, as in, Maybe the ultimate goal is to receive a nude picture of somebody. But I know that if I just come out and say, hey, send me a nude picture, that that might get stopped immediately. So we start slowly with that. Hey, send me a picture of you. Send me a selfie. So then that selfie happens. And mm -hmm. as we continue on that process, well, then send me a picture without a shirt on. Or send me, open your collar up a little bit more. Let me see that. So in a completely different example... Uh, I had an individual who clearly was grooming uh, another, and the victim in this case was a male. And in order to get those pictures or in order to get that, the images that our predator wanted to see at some point began with the selfie. And then it went to a conversation that you would never even think, a conversation about tattoos. And would you ever think about getting a tattoo? What kind of tattoo would you like? Where would you get your tattoo? Well, send me a picture and I have this app that I can put this tattoo on. So now we're getting shirtless pictures because we've talked about where is the placement of the tattoo going to look the best. And then I send you that picture back with these stickers of tattoos. And that just led to one thing and the next and the next. And then once the victim was now coming over to the predator's house because they were friendly and and we were more than acquaintances now. We knew each other, for example, you know, at that point. And so now we introduce drugs into the picture. And so now you're safe with me because now we're doing something illegal, but it's safe here. We don't talk about it. So then once the drugs were in the picture and now my, you know, I'm loosening up, my inhibitions are, are not there so much anymore. And so it just, there's lots of things that can happen. So I would say, you know, first... Look for that person who maybe is not in your family or not an immediate uh, relation and, and is starting to, what you may think is overly compliment somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always nice. Every one of us wants to hear a compliment. You could compliment me today and I would be happy about it. Mm -hmm. Every one of us wants to hear a compliment, but it becomes a point where it does raise a little bit of a red flag. Mm -hmm. And then look for those gifts or those unexpected things that just appear, maybe not in the form of money, but 
about a new pair of tennis shoes or the new basketball like that we had talked about. And then it goes on to uh, the desensitizing of things. Send me this selfie, send me this picture, and that will escalate to the other things. Mm -hmm. I, I think as caregivers, as protectors of children, I think those those intuitions, those gut feelings, those red flags are definitely there. And I think we need to listen to them when they're there. We probably should investigate a little farther. Yeah. I was just going to add to that. One of the things parents can do is they're watching social media accounts is sometimes our kids share too much online and they offer what their vulnerabilities are. So if there's a particular need that they're feeling, whether it's affection or money or a particular thing that is a clue to a trafficker. Some, it's like a trafficker can just shop online in a child's social media profile. So be on guard against those things because the scheme is going to look different. The grooming is going to look different according to what the vulnerability of the child is. So what the vulnerability is, that's what they provide. Okay, gotcha. Um, Suzanne, yes. what are some steps for parents or uh, caregivers um, and even used to take if they're contacted, if they start to feel uncomfortable, um, if they start to feel unsafe in an interaction, what are steps to take at that point? Sure. So I would advise uh, any child immediately tell a parent and then parents contact law enforcement, contact the internet service provider for the service, wherever that happened. Keep in mind, if it's not um, an app or a website that's hosted in the U.S., there may be limited ability for law enforcement to do anything with that particular mm -hmm. service, but for sure contact law enforcement because if your child, even if that's the case, if this is happening to your child, it's happening to other children. So even if it hasn't escalated to that point where you feel like there's been severe damage or your child hasn't gotten caught up in that network, sadly your child isn't the only person that that predator is targeting. So to keep other children safe, definitely say something, notify law enforcement. Okay. Do you block? Do you obviously keep record? I mean, the documentation that's been sent? I mean, do you do I'll, anything that I'll way? defer to the current law enforcement okay. on that. Okay. I, I definitely agree that reporting it to law enforcement is of top priority. You know, I, we often hear that a statement that I didn't want to bother you. I know you guys are busy with other things and you know what? You couldn't be more right. We are busy, but you're not a bother. Mm -hmm. you, our job is to protect the public or to serve the public. And, and this is what we do. So the more information that we have, that's how we can build cases. And we may not be able to build a case off of your account only, mm -hmm. but using your account of things coupled with other, you know, issues or reports that are happening, we may then be able to build a case. So reporting is first and foremost. I don't like to encourage people to engage in any kind of behavior. So what I mean by that is if your child is, if you feel that your child is being groomed or is inappropriately having a conversation with somebody else, I don't like to encourage that conversation to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. But what I would like to say is make sure we have enough evidence that is there. Yeah. And if you block that person, what happens to that evidence? So on certain things, um, certain websites, certain apps, if you use the block feature, everything disappears. Okay. So what I would say is obviously education on what happens if you use that block feature is important, 
But maybe prior to blocking the individual, you contact law enforcement first. Let us gather the information that we need. And when we say, why don't you block that person, then I think that's appropriate. Now, I don't want... Also, don't think that once you block them, that everything disappears. Because I've already said once, Snapchat, you know, we think it disappears, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. In our law enforcement world, we have access to a few other tools, subpoenas and court orders and those kind of things that would allow us to gather that information behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. They are just time consuming and an extensive process. So if it's much easier, uh, it's a much easier way for us to gather that information if it's already on a phone or a computer. Sure, You've brought up. Snapchat and things disappearing a couple of times. And you mentioned critical thinking. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to bring those together. Also, it's so important for us to teach our kids to think critically. I want to teach our community sometimes to think critically as well. So Snapchat, I sometimes see adults falling into the same trap of it disappears or we trust the app or we trust the website that things are always as they appear. And that's not always true. Even if it's not uh, that particular entity that's facilitating the communication that has malintent, there can be a trafficker or a predator or a schemer on the other side who's capturing everything that comes across that other screen. So we've seen that over and over and over again. So no matter what it is on the internet, I would always operate from the point of view of it's out there forever. Somebody's watching and it's out there forever. Yeah, it's eye-opening. So that's, that's extremely helpful. Thank you guys for that. Um, Adam, talk to us a little, we're going to shift a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about bullying, cyberbullying. Do you see this? Yes, we, we see cyberbullying a lot. Um, and again, cyberbullying can just simply be defined as bullying coupled with technology. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? So let's use the Snapchat. We're, since we're on the the bandwagon of Snapchat. Snapchat in and of itself is one app, but then it uses some other third-party entities, uh, things like YOLO, You Only Live Once, or Saraha was another one that we've dealt with. And those are where individuals can remain anonymous and provide feedback. So maybe I post a picture to a story and then the individuals can use this Saraha app and give me feedback about this picture or whatever it is. So that's where the very simple, you know, we all went to elementary school, you're fat, you're ugly, you know, those kind of things can happen. That's one form of bullying that we may see. Or think of the screenshots that may occur. Maybe now we're trusting that app, we think things disappear. So I do uh, take that provocative picture and send it on Snapchat. And now that gets screenshot and that gets distributed amongst now a whole group or a network of people. And then that picture is used to bully somebody else or to get the things that, you know, we want to get. So bullying and technology is absolutely out there. Um, and from a whole wide range of things that I can, can even think about, uh, you know, an individual was bullying another and using the YOLO app on Snapchat and was threatening to bring a gun to the school and, so now we have all kinds of stuff that's happening. So the fat, you're, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, the little, you know, kid type bullying. Yeah. And then it can escalate to what kind of bullying am I using to maybe even coercion or extortion? You know, I have your picture and it's going to get sent out to a thousand people if you don't give me something that I want. 
And what is that something? Again, use our imaginations. It can be anything from money to favors to, you know, different performances. It doesn't matter. Wow. Okay. And so obviously law enforcement in those situations, um, how can we empower our young people? And maybe this is going to be a redundant question, but in those cases, you're fat, you're ugly, just that non-stop, relentless kind of bullying. Um, how can we empower our young people uh, just with to to take part in online safety, to be aware of it, and steer clear of predators and or bullies? How, what do we encourage? How do we do this? I mean, yeah, that's so important. That's part of what makes our kids vulnerable, right? If they're feeling unloved and they're going to look for that affection from a trafficker, from a predator, we talked about the importance of our kids being able to talk to us. When we hear that something like that has happened, this crazy sextortion kind of story, don't think it's too crazy to be true. We need to believe our children and not make it worse. I've seen that um, sadly happen where the story is too crazy and we believe whoever the adult and authority is, whether it be a parent or a school or somebody else in a position to make decisions regarding that child and the follow-up has thought, okay, this is just, this is a child who's acting out, who took these pictures, who did this on their own. And no, no, that's not true. The story that child told was true. And so you can do severe damage by the way you respond to that. So let's show our children what real love looks like. And when they speak to us, let's, let's believe them. Let's operate from that standpoint, because we need to remember the kids in every one of these scenarios that we've talked about, they're the victims. Mm -hmm. So let's not further victimize them. Believe and advocate. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, Adam, can criminal charges be pursued um, with any of these, this online kinds of, whether it even be cyberbullying, obviously, and, and predatory behavior? Criminal charges? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it could be something as, and I don't ever want to downplay any kind of criminal behavior, but it could be something as minimal as telecommunications harassment, which is something that I send you a text and you say, hey, quit texting me, and I send you a text again. Well, now I'm harassing you, uh, telecommunications harassment. That, that's one, and it can escalate depending on the severity or, or the nature of the content of those uh, text or even on the phone, if I'm calling you, if I'm emailing you, any of those apps would fall under telecommunications mm -hmm. harassment. We talked about the extortion. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm now trying to get money out of you, some kind of something of value. Mm -hmm. I want, I, if you don't give me that value, that something of value or that money, then I'm going to use this against you. Uh, menacing is maybe I'm threatening you. I'm going to cause you or somebody you love uh, some kind of serious harm. And you're believing that, you know, you don't give me what I want, then this is going to happen. So menacing, menacing by stalking, similar, but we're now creating that pattern of conduct. That's where the stalking element comes in. There is all kinds of, of criminal uh, charges that absolutely can be, you know, pressed or pursued uh, when we're dealing with individuals who are acting maliciously on the internet or using any kind of internet in a bad way. Yes. Guys, this has been so enlightening. It's so practical. And I love the steps and just the instructional kind of content for parents. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would want for the community to know, parents to know, young youth to know 
um, anything on your heart that needs to be shared, or even a takeaway. Um, one thing that people can take away from today. I would just continue to emphasize the importance of real relationship to counteract the trafficker's false version and the importance of asking those critical questions. There's so much misinformation out there. It's prolific about trafficking. So I'm just thankful we've had the opportunity to sit here and talk about what is true. So ask those critical questions, think critically, and then share the information so that others can know and be educated. Awesome. Thank you. Adam? Just as scary as the topic can be and as weird or uncomfortable, uh, definitely get in there and have those conversations. Be in your kid's business. I, mm-hmm. From a law enforcement perspective, I cannot say that enough. Mm-hmm. Be in their business. Be in their cell phones. Be in their email. Be in their internet browsers. Be there with them, teaching them, coaching them, showing them uh, what is okay and not okay. And again, don't freak. Don't freak if that inappropriate, you know, content comes across mm-hmm. because most of the time your kid is not looking for it. Mm-hmm. They're not searching the internet for those things. That's a good word. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here, for your time, for your expertise. It has been so valuable, truly. Um, and for our listeners, please know that there is a parent resource guide on internet safety from the Ohio Attorney General's office on our TAT, Tusk Against Trafficking, Facebook page. So if you want to check that out, I know Rahab has one as well. You can um, check out that uh, guide at their, you can Google Rahab um, and check them out. But if this episode generates any questions at all, we want to hear. Uh, We have our last episode, uh, our Q&A episode, and so we want your questions. You can submit those um, through our website at tuskagainsttrafficking.org, through our email, info at tuskagainsttrafficking.org, or on our Facebook page. So please do that. We would love to hear from you. So thanks again uh, for being here, and everybody have a great day. If you would like to contribute to anti-trafficking efforts in Tuscarawas County, you can send your donations to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. Please be sure to indicate human trafficking in the memo line. We appreciate your partnership in this work. Together, we can make a difference.